In this JMD shortcast, Dr. David Olsen discusses his work, Very Long Chain Acyl-CoA Dehydrogenase Deficiency in a Swedish Cohort, Clinical Symptoms, Newborn Screening, Enzyme Activity and Genetics, first published in January 2022. The idea for this paper actually occurred to us in the clinic many years ago when we first included the beta-oxidation disorders among them VLCA deficiency to our national newborn screening program. We quickly discovered in line with the experience of, I guess, many European countries that we diagnosed a lot more patients than pre-newborn screening and that it was quite difficult to decide early in life which of the patients that had a benefit of strict dietary treatment if some patients only required emergency regimen during infections or other situations with prolonged fasting, and if perhaps some patients did not require treatment at all, representing more of an asymptomatic biochemical phenotype. Our paper is a retrospective cohort study of Swedish pediatric patients with VLCAD deficiency, where we included 20 patients diagnosed via newborn screening between 2010 to 2019, and two patients diagnosed prior to the introduction of newborn screening. The aim of the study was to describe the clinical phenotype and biochemical findings of these patients and relate these findings to residual enzyme activity results, genotype analysis, and newborn screening data. The underlying question here being if data available already in the newborn period could help us make better decisions regarding treatment options, as well as indicate the potential clinical outcome for individual patients. Pediatric patients with VLCA deficiency were identified using our National Registry for Metabolic Disorders here in Sweden, as well as from direct contact with clinical colleagues at any of the four pediatric metabolic clinics. 27 patients were identified and 22 patients signed informed consent and were included in the study. In order to summarize the clinical outcome in patients, we developed the clinical severity score, which combined 15 different factors, including neonatal symptoms, episodes of rhabdomyolysis, neurological impairment, and more. To better reflect both disease complications and disease burden, we also included frequency of ER visits, admittance to the pediatric intensive care unit, and if patients had gastrostomy and night feeds. The included patients ranged from four months to 12 years of age, and looking at the newborn screening results, both primary markers C14-1 and the C14-1 to C2 ratio, and the collaboratory laboratory integrated reports or CLEAR scores, we found that scores were much lower in the follow-up samples compared to the first NBS test, which is an indication of the importance of timing for a newborn screening sampling. The clinical outcome varied widely from asymptomatic to severely affected individuals, and most patients only had mild symptoms such as slightly elevated CK and transaminases during infections, and notably no patients had cardiomyopathy or recorded episodes of arrhythmia. 19 out of the 22 patients were maintained on a fat-restricted diet, and four patients had gastrostomy and night feeds. Body mass index for the group, described as mean ISO-BMI, was slightly below normal during the first two years of life and thereafter not different from Swedish population mean. So there were really no indications of excess weight gain from the carbohydrate and sometimes calorie-rich diet. Genotyping showed that the common variant C848T2C or P-valine 283-alanine was found in more than half of all analyzed alleles. The patients who were homozygous for the 848T2C variant had low combined clinical severity scores, reflecting a relatively mild disease, and patients with null mutations generally had higher clinical severity scores. 
Residual enzyme activity using the palmitoyl-CoA oxidation rate assay was measured in 13 patients and results varied between 1 to 54% of healthy controls. Patients with null mutations had the lowest residual enzyme activity results. Looking at the relationship between clinical outcome and patient data, we found a strong correlation between the combined clinical score and both the CLEAR score from the newborn screening and the residual enzyme activity. The two most important findings in our study were that a majority of the patients in our cohort, especially screening detected patients, had relatively mild symptoms and that there was a correlation between the clinical outcome and both screening data and residual enzyme activity. This indicates that information available already in the neonatal period can be useful in predicting severity of disease and the eventual need for dietary treatment. We would like to thank all patients and families for their participation in this study and also to all the Swedish colleagues involved in data collection and patient identification. Thank you all.